Welcome to the Church at Lake Mead, and this is our sermon podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, we want to say thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you again soon. Here is today's message. Maybe all of us can find a little bit of ourselves in one of these stories, or maybe both. And uh, we pray that there will be an encounter with Jesus, just like there was 2,000 years ago. Mike, tell us about Mary Magdalene. So let's start with Mary. So Mary, Mary, uh, as she was growing up, at some point began to just be tormented by demons, uh, and her days would be uncertain as she as she woke up and uncertain if she would lose control uh, that day. And so one day she wakes up and she meets Jesus and encounters him, and he sets her free. And so as a result, she begins to follow him. And she travels with many other people as they follow Jesus, as he travels throughout this region. And at one point, one of the, uh, the writers of the gospels, he, he says that Mary was one of the financial supporters of Jesus's ministry among other women. And so they, they began to support his ministry as, uh, as he walked three years uh, serving and, and caring for and loving the community. Mary is also one of the, uh, the very, very few that witnessed the actual crucifixion uh, out of the disciples. Many of the disciples ran, they fled, and, uh, and so she stayed behind and was present during the crucifixion along with Jesus's mother, Mary. And so they watched from a distance. At some point, they take Jesus off the cross and then they're there, they witness him being buried and they know of the, the tomb that he's put in. And so that was Friday night. And imagine Mary, who loved Jesus deeply, having to watch such a torturous death, was in severe grief of someone that she loved, she followed, she was someone that she could watch heal people and set people free. And so she, she that Friday night, she goes to sleep. I'm sure she, she, she didn't sleep much. Mm. Wakes up on Sunday, Saturday. And this Saturday waiting, this quiet, silent Saturday, and many of you have experienced where you, re- you experience something really tragic. You're uncertain how it's going to unfold. Mm. And there's this waiting period in between. And so here Mary's waiting. They go an entire day of grieving. And she goes to sleep. And she wakes up early the next morning before the sun even go- uh, rises. And this is what's recorded in the book of John. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So she runs and she finds the other disciple, Simon Peter, and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she says to them, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. We don't know where they have put him. So her, her default, her thought was that somebody came the night before and took his body away. And we need to find him. So, so she brings back the disciples. They all come back to the tomb. And this is what happens. They run in. The uh, Simon goes in. The other disciple goes in. The tomb is empty. They run out of the tomb, uh, and they, they head to other disciples, and Mary is left there. And this other wave of grief hits her. Mm. And I know some of you have lost uh, someone you loved deeply in the last couple of years. And you can just picture, you can, you can empathize Mary's just her, the grief that has taken over her body as she just considers on day two, the reality of Jesus being dead. And so on the outside of the tomb, she's crying and she weeps and she stoops one more time and she looks in. 
And many of us have, maybe you've been in this moment of grief where you are really not even aware of what's happening around you. Like you, it's difficult to even comprehend some of the things that are happening. Um, and so Mary does the same thing. She looks into the tomb and, she, and there are two men that are sitting on the, uh, the, on the place that Jesus was laid and she doesn't even recognize that they're angels. She immediately just engages in conversation with them. And this is what they say to her. She sees two white robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. And so she turns around and she comes out of the tomb and there's another person outside the tomb. And this is her interaction with him. She turns to leave and, someone, and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't even recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? There's a pastor who... Uh, tells of a story of when he gathered these children together and they're going through this passage and begins to go through how Mary was just grieving and that the, empty, the tomb was empty. And he, she, he asks these little children, what do you think Jesus' first words were to the disciples? And a little girl raises her hand and, and, uh, and he calls on her and she stands up and she says, ta-da! <laughs> As if Jesus was saying, of course I would be standing right in front of you. Oh. Like he, he immediately engages in a way that, that just carries the narrative. Like he's been telling them all along, hey, you're, this is what's going to happen. You will weep, but this weeping will turn into joy, a joy that not even the world can take away from you. And she, he began to infuse some of those words into them. And, and Mary was uncertain about that. She's at this point where her circumstance, this grieving clouded any ability to see any of God's promises beyond that grief. And so so she's clinging to those, this grief and, and she sees Jesus, but she doesn't recognize him. She's only seeing her circumstance. And yet he is standing there right in front of her, the resurrected king. And so he begins to talk to her and he says, why, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And here's her reply. She thought he was the gardener. You see, uh, according to another passage, uh, where the cross was in the tomb, nearby was a garden and where the tomb is. And it's interesting how Jesus, he told them uh, just moment, just a while before, he described his death and resurrection in a way like a gardener or a farmer, that a seed must die in order for it to bear fruit and a fruit that was exponential, that would give life to many. And here this, this moment took place where, where he was laid in the ground yeah. and he dies so that many would have life. And so here she mistakes Jesus for a gardener. She says, sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go with him. And this good shepherd, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And he said earlier to the disciples, a good shepherd is one who is known by the sheep and the shepherd knows their name. And look how Jesus reveals himself to her. The next word he says is her name. He says this, Mary. And as soon as he says her name, she recognizes it's him. 
and she turns toward him and cries out in Aramaic, Rabboni, and she falls to his knees or her feet and she begins to cling to his legs and he says to her, wait a second, don't touch me, there's, there's some more to happen. This isn't the end. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ascend to my father and I want you to go and tell your brothers and sisters about this very moment. I want you to go and tell them I have risen, that there's no time, you need to get on mission again. And so this is what he says. He says, go and tell, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to the brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Caesar's plans had failed. Yeah. Pilate's plans have failed. The very grave has failed because I have risen again. There is victory now and and there is life after after this grave. You see, she thought that the grave was the end and that it would have its final say. And Jesus, he says, no, I've had victory over this. And now it's time for you to go and tell your brothers and sisters. So she rises up, she begins to run and this is where she goes. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she tells them that he has said all these things to her. And this is where they're at. On the evening of their first day of the week, the disciples are gathered together and the doors are locked. They're fearful of what's about to happen. They're afraid that what happened to Jesus may happen to them because they were following him all these years. And so they're all locked behind this closed door. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And they're filled with joy. I mean, the sight of Jesus changes everything. What I love about this story, Mike, what I love about the gospels, in my own faith journey, I struggled a lot with doubt and skepticism. What I love about the gospel record is that it doesn't clean up the narrative. It doesn't try to make these disciples better than they were. These are ordinary human beings with the same emotions that we have. They are scared, doubtful, afraid, heartbroken, angry, all these emotions. This is a record of what happened. This is Mary not expecting a risen savior. She's thinking he's a gardener. This is, this is incredible how Jesus just appears so tenderly to Mary. I wanna turn our attention now to the other disciple that's in this passage and his name is Thomas. And you may have heard of Thomas before, even if you're not a regular churchgoer, he's known as Thomas the Doubter or Doubting Thomas. We even have that in our culture, we call people Doubting Thomases sometimes, you know. Um, it's, it's sad kind of that that's kind of what his tag is because he wasn't always a doubter. In fact, we, we meet Thomas for the first time uh, several chapters earlier. Uh, it's, a, it's a story where Jesus is traveling with his disciples back from the northern part of, of the country, Galilee, down to the south, to Judea. And Jesus says that he has to go there and he has to wake up a friend who's fallen asleep. Now, Jesus had a, a kind of a unique way of talking about how somebody died. And this friend, Lazarus, had died. And the disciples were kind of afraid to go back down to the south because the last time they'd gone down there, Jesus received death threats. They tried to kill Jesus. Um, the religious leaders were all down there. They didn't want Jesus uh, to kind of oppose their authority or be a rival. And so Jesus is heading down there and the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, if, if Lazarus is asleep, like he's fine. Like let him wake up on his own. But we don't need to go down there and wake him up. And Jesus is like, look, he's dead, but I'm gonna go have victory over the grave. Well, it's in that exchange that Thomas speaks up. 
And he says something that's kind of like a head scratcher, a little bit like what? Kind of out of the blue. Notice what he says. He says, then Thomas, also known as Didymus, which means he had a twin. He was like a twin brother, um, said to the rest of the disciples, in the middle of this conversation, Thomas just says out of nowhere, let us also go that we may die with him. Like, I don't know if Thomas was a little like socially awkward. I don't, I don't know. Like, because that just comes out of nowhere. And I, I, can, I can picture Peter like, what? Thomas, be quiet. You know? But Thomas is like, look, dude, if, if this is a suicide mission, like I'm in. Like, I, I don't, I am devoted to Jesus. And if he wants to go down there and he's gonna die, like I'll go down there and we're gonna die, right? Thomas wasn't a doubter. Thomas was devoted. He's devoted to Jesus. He's all in. He is following Jesus with all that he has. In fact, Thomas is the kind of person that just takes everything super seriously. He's hanging on every word of Jesus. Jesus has been preaching and teaching that he was going to establish the kingdom of God. And for the average Jew in that, in that time period, that meant only one thing. Finally, Rome would be defeated. Finally, a Jewish king would sit on David's throne. Finally, the end of our oppression was near and that king is Jesus. And if you were here with us last week, you know, we celebrate Palm Sunday because that's the day Jesus enters Jerusalem as the king. He's on the donkey's colt and the crowds are greeting Jesus with shouts of Hosanna, hail King Jesus, hail King of the Jews. And so the disciples are rightly on this. They believe that Jesus is the king. He's gonna establish a kingdom. Rome will be defeated and they will be a part of his, of his royal entourage. That's what these disciples believe, every single one of them. But they get to Jerusalem after Jesus is greeted as the king, things start to take a very dark turn. The shouts of Hosanna turn later to shouts of crucify him. And during that week between Palm Sunday and the Sunday, this Sunday that we're celebrating, so many things transpire. There's a, there's a trial and the, there's an arrest in the middle of the night. There's a betrayal by Judas. There's the torture, the mockery, and then the awful crucifixion. Every one of these disciples are, are totally caught off guard. Even though Jesus tried to explain, hey, I'm going away to the Father and I'm gonna return again, but I'm gonna lay down my life. The good shepherd, as Mike mentioned again a bit ago, he's gonna lay down his life for the sheep. But they didn't understand that. One of these evenings, Jesus, during this last week of his life, Jesus was talking about going away and it troubled the disciples. They, they, they just don't understand. And this is in John chapter 14. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He's saying, guys, I know me talking about going away is troubling you, but believe in me. Well, this is where Thomas speaks up again. Look what Thomas says, a couple of verses later. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Like, what do you mean you're leaving? Like, this is not registering. You're supposed to be a king that's supposed to get rid of Rome. What are you talking about? And Jesus says something that at the moment is really cryptic but later makes a lot of sense. He says these words, he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. What see, what the, what the Jew, what the, these disciples didn't realize is that Jesus didn't come to defeat Rome. He came to defeat the power behind Rome. 
Jesus didn't come to dethrone Caesar. He came to dethrone Satan. Jesus came to put all things under his feet and to destroy the enemy that plagues every single one of us, the enemy and the power of sin over our lives. Jesus came to break that. And in doing that, break the power of death itself. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. Guys, this is, this is Celebration Sunday, right? Yeah. Come on. That's what Jesus came to do. And so these words don't make sense in the moment, but they will in a minute. Well, I wanna kind of go back to where Mike was, back to Thomas, back to that, that resurrection Sunday. Later that evening, Jesus appeared to all the disciples, but I wanna point out something. Look what it says. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, he was not there with the disciples when Jesus came. Where is Thomas? I don't know. I don't know why he wasn't there. You know, sometimes when our hearts are crushed, when we're disappointed, when God didn't show up like we wanted him to, when our prayers aren't answered, we kind of sometimes add more pain to our own situation. We do the opposite of what we should. Thomas, he ran away. He wasn't with the disciples. And when he wasn't with the disciples that afternoon, he missed Jesus. Let me say something to you, everyone. I want you to hear this. Guys, Jesus shows up in church. Jesus shows up in the community of the disciples. And we're gonna miss Jesus when we aren't connected to a community of faith. Jesus showed up when those disciples were gathered and Thomas missed Jesus because Thomas wasn't there. Guys, I want you to think about that. You know, we've, we've had so many things happen in the last couple of years. Some of us haven't been in church in, 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 in a few years. Our routines have been wrecked. Or maybe we've had some deep disappointment in life and we're, we're kind of done with it. I think that's where Thomas is. Well, the disciples, they go and find Thomas. Check this out. They go and find Thomas. And, and they told him, hey, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. Thomas, man, I got great news. Like he appeared to us. And there's 10 disciples and there's all the women. They're saying, Thomas, we saw him. The next thing that we should read is a really excited Thomas, <laughs> but we don't. He's a really disappointed Thomas. He's a devastated Thomas. He might be where some of you are right now. And he says something kind of outrageous. He says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger in the nails where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. You know, Thomas is struggling, but this isn't a guy that needs evidence. A guy who needs evidence doesn't say something like this. This is a guy who's angry, who's disappointed. He's got 10 witnesses that all saw Jesus, at least 10. He has a lot of evidence. You know, sometimes it is an evidence that keeps us from trusting Jesus. Sometimes it's a heartbreak, a disappointment. Somebody let, let us down, maybe even a religious leader who is supposed to be someone who represented God to you and they failed you or hurt you. I wanna show you, I wanna give Thomas a little credit because a week goes by, look what happens. 
A week later, the disciples were in the house again, but look at this, Thomas was with them. Attaboy, Thomas. You know what? He's struggling, but he didn't let his bitterness and his disappointment keep him away. I don't know if it was James or John or maybe Peter grabbed him by the shoulder around the neck. It's Thomas, don't, don't stay away. Thomas, come, come be with us. I know you're struggling. I know you're angry, Thomas, but stay with us. And in that locked room, Jesus came and stood among them. He said, ta-da. <laughs> and there he is again. And then he walks right over to Thomas. He walks right over to his hurt and devastated disciple. And he says, Thomas, stretch out your hands. Put them in my, in my nail print. Put your, if you need to put your hand on my side, Thomas, if that's what you need, Thomas, I love you. Stop doubting. Believe. At that moment, the most outrageous doubter <laughs> gives the clearest confession in the entire book of John. And I, I gotta believe Thomas is on his knees when he says these words, my Lord and my God. Thomas has a radical encounter with Jesus. He prolonged the time that he was gonna struggle because he stayed away from the community, but it was in the community that he found healing. It was in the fellowship of the faithful that Thomas met Jesus. It's in church that you're gonna find the healing for your brokenness because it's in church where Jesus meets us right where we are and says, hey, I love you. In this body of Christ, Christ exists. And in the body of Christ, you are ministered to and you are met by a savior who says, listen, if you need to touch my hands, you can touch my hands. If you need to put your hand on my side, I love you that much. I am willing to go to the cross for you. I know everything about you. Notice that Jesus used Thomas's very words against him. He knew what Thomas said, even though he wasn't pre present. Jesus knows everything about you. But friend, let me tell you, he loves you anyway. Isn't that a great Jesus? Isn't that a great savior? Isn't that a great king? Isn't that a great person who would come into your life and say, I know everything there is to know and it doesn't turn me away. I'm for you. I love you. I gave my life for you. Come to me, all you that labor, Jesus said, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We are such a tired people, so full of anxiety and worry. And we have a shepherd who says, listen, I wanna lead you to green pastures. I wanna take away your worries. I've got good news. I've defeated death. I don't know what you're facing this morning. I don't know what's in your life today, but I can tell you this, the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. And whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're facing, there's a God in heaven who loves you, who's alive and who's gonna be returning one day to be forever with us and we with him. Jesus turns and I wanna end right here. He says these powerful words. He says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
And then John kind of finishes most of, the, of what he's writing. And he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. That just is so intriguing, right? He says, which are not recorded in the book. Like there's so much we could have said, <laughs> but look what he says. He says, but these are written. What I did include was written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that you might have life by believing in his name. I wanna just invite everyone here this morning to have a come to Jesus moment, a moment where you dedicate your life to Jesus. Maybe you've already been following Jesus and you just need a reminder that he's king, that the king has risen, the, the lion has roared and you need to be reminded that, but maybe you've never bowed your knee to King Jesus. Maybe there's shame or disappointment or whatever that's kept you away. And, but today you're ready to lay it down can I invite you to stand as a church? We're gonna to stand together, we're gonna to end our service, but I wanna invite every one of you right now before we sing our final song to have an encounter with Jesus. And right where you stand, you can just have a prayer with God. Right where you are, you can kind of close your eyes if you feel comfortable and you can just kind of have a, a moment with Jesus. And here's what you could say, if you've never followed Jesus before, you could, you could pray a prayer that says this, God, I've been running away for a long time. But right now, I wanna turn my, myself back to the shepherd, back to the good shepherd who laid down his life for me. You know everything about me. And maybe right now you just, you just confess some things that you know he knows. Maybe some things in your past, some things that you know were wrong. And you just say, Lord, I've, I've cheated, I've, I've stolen, I've run, I've, I've done all these things. God, you know everything about me, I confess it. God, I know that, that I'm separated from you, but right now I invite Jesus to come into my life and to forgive me. I believe he died on the cross and took the death I deserved. He became my substitute. I trust in Jesus as my savior. I believe that he died for me. I put my hope in him. And I believe he rose again from the dead, that I will have eternal life because he lives eternally. Right where you stand, you could just say a prayer that just says, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, come into my heart. You're my King. From this day forward, I live for you. If you prayed a prayer like that, we wanna follow up with you as a church. And on the QR code, there's a place you can indicate that you've decided to follow Jesus. And we will follow up with you. As Evan said earlier, we exist as a church to love you and equip you to live the way of Jesus. Like that's why we exist. We want to help disciples of Jesus follow him. And we have all kinds of ways that we do that here at a church. And we wanna, we wanna just encourage you in that. But as we finish today, we are gonna celebrate with this great song. It's from graves to gardens. Jesus takes that grave and makes it a garden. And Jesus can do that in your life. If you give him your brokenness, he can make all things new. So Carolina, would you lead us in this wonderful song as we end?